There it was. There was a Spider-Man face mask inside of it. Previously on Annual. The handwriting was not what I expected. I don't know who this is. I love you, Aaron, but you have got to stop calling me. It's the Daily Bugle address. Over a month later, I received another package in the mail. Why are they tormenting me now in this way? This is a Red Goblin prepaid call from Norman Osborne. An inmate at Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane. From Amazing Spider Talk on wherever you download podcasts, this is Annual, one story told year by year, sometimes. I'm Erin Janakio. We're at episode two. You probably heard episode one on the Amazing Spider Talk feed or on our website at AmazingSpiderTalk.com. But if you haven't, stop. Go back to the beginning. We are telling this story in order. The story of a Norman Osborne, a threatening mailer who went after Dan Gavosden in 2020. And the story of Mark Giannacchio, his podcast co-host, who was suspected of the crime. So to pick up where we left off, Last episode, you heard about an unsuspecting Dan Gavazdan and his dalliances with the Postal Service. Together, we experienced the terror and mystery that grew as these anonymous packages shifted from friendly to terrorizing, vague to personal, and took on a name, Norman Osborne. Puzzles inside of riddles, videos inside of videos. The mystery concluded with a final haunting suggestion Quote, Dan Gavazdan, to find me, look around you, unquote. But was that predatory suggestion truly the last clue we had to go on? And what does look around you even mean? Before I had time to ponder that, the answer arrived in Dan's mailbox. Aaron, I don't even know where to start. For the past week, I've been getting postcards in the mail nonstop. But these aren't just any postcards, they're Spider-Man Green Goblin postcards from all around the country. I've got one from Jacksonville, Atlanta, Santa Ana, and a bunch of others with no return address. It's every day, a new postcard. But here's the thing, besides the creepy image, which I sourced to the cover of the Return of the Green Goblin DVD set, there's a poem cut and pasted on the back of each of these cards. Here's what it says. Suspicion leads to no good end. You'll soon start to mistrust your friends. I'm nearby you, in your daily life. Your co-workers, your neighbors, perhaps even your wife. The greater the mystery, the greater the fun. And if it goes on like this, I may never be done. Creepy, right? Norman's clearly teasing me. But here's the even weirder part. Each of the poems has different punctuation and in weird places. Periods and dashes randomly placed throughout the poem. At first I thought it was accidental, but why would all of these cut and pasted messages be so random with their punctuation? I just know it has to be deliberate. There has to be some mastermind, our Norman Osborne, directing this whole thing. 
Suspicion leads to no good end. You'll soon start to mistrust your friends. I'm nearby you in your daily life, your co-workers, your neighbors, perhaps even your wife. The greater the mystery, the greater the fun. If it goes on like this, I may never be done. The message is clear. Whoever this Norman Osborne and his now-confirmed team of ghouls are, they are close to Dan Gavostin, and delaying his torment seems to be their goal. Was there a clue within the differentiated punctuation of these postcards, or was this just another way for Norman to showcase the reach of his goblin nation? I stared at it for hours. There had to be a code hidden in these cards. Did the random dashes and periods indicate something in the lettering? I tried isolating all the letters that followed the dashes. Nothing. I tried eliminating words. Nothing. The more I stared at the cards, the more convinced I was that there was something in these punctuation choices, and yet the further it seemed to slip from my grasp. I was certain this was like a 3D eye puzzle, that eventually I would figure out how to cross my eyes in exactly the right way, and the answer would just magically appear. I've always loved a good puzzle, and when I saw the cards, I was really excited to try to figure out what was happening there. This is Meg, a family friend of Dan's. When Dan eventually posted about the postcards and the strange punctuation, she was the first to chime in with a solution. So at first I was focused on the letters before and after, the periods and dashes, um, but that really wasn't getting me anywhere. And then I set it aside for a little while. And when I came back to it, I was like, oh, they're not periods and dashes, they're dots and dashes. And that's when I knew it was Morse code. And she was right. It was Morse code. We had cracked it. Meg had crossed her eyes and revealed the puzzle to all of us. We had just been too close to it and couldn't see what seemed obvious all along. A simple Morse code cipher. Here's how it works. Each line in the poem spelled out a letter in Morse code through its random punctuation. If a line had no punctuation, that meant it was a space with no corresponding letter. For example, dash dot dot is D, dot dash is A, dash dot is N, dot 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 is S, dot dash dot dot is L, and dash 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 is O. Put them together and you get Dan Slow, also known as Dan Slot, the previous writer of Amazing Spider-Man. Each card had a different name from a different part of Dan Gavazdin's life. And as we began to decipher them, more cards kept arriving. Twelve in total. When Meg figured out that these were Morse code, I immediately went about deciphering them, even as new cards arrived. What stood out to me was the randomness of the names it revealed. First was your name, Aaron, plus both my brothers, my college friend Laura, a coworker friend of mine who isn't on social media, 
a random indie comics podcaster I've done a show with a couple of years back, Ian Levenstein from the Comic Geek Speak podcast, Tristan Matthews, who you might remember was my friend who owns the Guinness Record for Spider-Man stuff, also an old friend of mine named Parker Rouse, my writing partner Andy Myers, and even my old podcast co-host and film critic buddy slash nemesis, Brian Rowan. They were totally random. I have no idea how Norman could even know about some of these people. But the cards soon began to worry Amy Gavosden. Her tranquil life in Chatsworth had been upended by a mysterious figure and his ghouls. They knew her address, her friends, her family, and they seemed to be after her husband, Dan. Who could tell how this would evolve and what the endgame might be? Okay, Amy, so, um, like, I've had a hard time with this because, like, to me, this is, like, clearly just kind of, like, fun and games. And I understand that there were some things that kind of, like, went a little bit, like, too far, like, really personal and stuff like that. But what I want to know is, like, you've been really kind of stressed out about this and, like, anxious in a way that I can't really count calculate but I want to be empathetic to so like can you tell me how how you're feeling and like why you're feeling that way I mean at the start I didn't feel anxious about it 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 was it's like a compounding thing right like the more this kind of unusual thing keeps happening the more my mind starts to ask questions about who this person is who these people are what their motivations are uh, is it just for fun? Is it uh, to freak us out? Um, and so, and I'm a, you know this, I'm a naturally anxious person. So my mind just started creating stories about who this could be, um, why they wanted to do this. If they were continuing to do it because they knew you loved it, <laughs> like the hard part too is that you love this. Like you like the game of this. But I just started to wonder, uh, and I had too many questions that I couldn't answer. And I'll say, you're not alone. My, my parents have called me specifically to ask this to stop because they're concerned. And, uh, you know, I tried to, to like laugh it off and, and calm them down. But ultimately, like, you know, I don't have an answer to this. So there is a certain level of anxiety associated with this if you're someone that is craving an answer or for some kind of security. Is that where you're at? Like you just kind of want to know the end game? Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if there was some indication of, of motive. If, if all of the notes seemed really playful, then that would kind of give you an answer. But uh, as, as time progressed and as we continue to get more and more mail, the notes became ominous and kind of scary. Surely Amy's feelings on this matter would be enough to eliminate her from our pool of suspects. Hard evidence in this case is hard to come by, so obvious emotional honesty would have to suffice for now. In Amy's case, I could sense sincere discomfort. Surely she wouldn't be a part of Norman Osborne's plans if she felt the way she did about his schemes. Even still... There was no obvious takeaway from the cards. Norman was flexing. Could we trust that any of these people were involved? It seemed unlikely. 
from Dan's brothers to Dan Slott. The list was so random and featured so many characters with no obvious connection to each other that the more likely implication here is that Norman knows how to Google search Dan Gavazdan and has been following social media reactions to Dan's posts about the mail he'd been receiving. I didn't have much time to ponder these implications further, because mere moments later, I received a harried voicemail from Dan. You have a voicemail. Aaron! Oh my god, I'm so glad I got in touch with you. I'm not supposed to, um, memorize clients' phone numbers, but with a body like that, I mean, come on. Oh god, come oh god, on. Do you no. blame it, dude? Oh no, All oh. Right? no listen. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. That's, that is, that is the wrong voicemail, that is the wrong voicemail. Oh, good. Here's the, the right one. Uh, hey, Aaron, it's Dan. I just got an eBay package in the mail. There's no card or anything, but it's obviously from Norman Osborn. I opened it, and inside was a green goblin plushie. But not just, like, any plushie. It's one of those creepy Geiger-esque plushies of the green goblin from the 2002 movie. You know, the one that looks like a Power Rangers villain. It's like that, but, like, distorted. I just got an 18-year-old doll in the mail. Amy is kind of freaked out. Honestly, I think it's kind of terrifying and cute. Probably not what the doll makers were going for, but I digress. Dan sent me a picture of the plushie, and I immediately understood Amy's disgust. But even as disgusted as I was, I knew we had another potential clue to investigate. Dan said that the package had come from eBay, and he even had an address. El Paso, Texas. Well, that was a start. I knew that if I acted fast enough, I could go on eBay, search for previously sold items, and potentially find who shipped this package to Dan. So that's exactly what I did. And with a quick search for Green Goblin Plushie and a little bit of luck... Bingo. I found it. I landed on what appeared to be the seller right away. I was looking at an account from El Paso, Texas, who had sold a Green Goblin plushie from 2002 on eBay just about a week ago. That had to be our guy. So I tipped off Dan to this discovery and we made a plan. We would send this seller a message and see what kind of response we got. It was all we had to go on. Here's what we sent. Hey, I just received a Green Goblin plush toy from you. I don't know who sent it to me through you. I want to send them a thank you note or message, and I was curious if you knew who sent it to me. Thanks so much. The response was immediate. The seller wrote us back within minutes. Here's the message. Hello. I wish someone sent me a secret gift, wink emoji. Maybe he or she wants to reveal who he or she is later. I don't want to ruin it. Damn it! Even this eBay seller was in on Norman Osborne's games. This was another dead end. Norman had thought of everything, even tipping off this seller to not give up any information. I had nowhere else to go with this. And now Dan had this creepy doll sitting in the corner of the room, quietly mocking him. (laughs) 
Support for annual comes from Mail Gibbon. From Mail Gibbon. Mail Gibbon? More than 7 million businesses around the world. Using Mail Gibbon. To send emails, newsletters, and to deliver high fives. Mail Gibbon. Send better email. Very nice. I use Mail Gibbon. You do? I love it. Who is Norman Osborne? It's the question at the heart of all of this. And despite the constant action that we'd been experiencing over the past few weeks, I felt no closer to figuring out who he actually was. In the comics, Norman, as the deranged Green Goblin, took delight in the torment of Peter Parker and his friends, eventually seducing and murdering Spider-Man's girlfriend Gwen Stacy, depending on what version of Spider-Man canon you choose to accept. He twisted his own son Harry's psyche, belittling him, demeaning him, and casting him aside until a drug addiction and years of abuse drove him to become the Green Goblin himself. This triggered a spiraling cycle of pain that would end in Harry's death, depending upon what version of the Spider-Man canon you choose to accept. Even Peter's teenage bully Flash Thompson, as Agent Venom, would meet his fate at the hands of Norman Osborn. Each of these friends, family members, and comics industry professionals may just be the next victim of this Norman Osborn if we couldn't unmask him in time. Either so much was on the line here, or I was just way too caught up in this fantasy. Reality and fiction were blending together, and I knew the only way I could untangle it would be to look back at the clues. If there was one other major takeaway from these cards, they all suggested that Dan would, quote, soon start to mistrust his friends, unquote. This brought me back to the one tangible bit of evidence we had, the birthday video. Remember this message? Hey Dan, happy birthday. You know what they say, another year, another dollar. Uh, shouting out to you from Anchorage, Alaska, hoping that you have a good one. Uh, kiss the kids for me. Appearing on Dan's birthday in a privately invited video orchestrated by Amy Gavosden, this video was our only real clue to the identity of Norman Osborn. Whoever submitted the video had to have been given access to the online submission by Amy Gavosden. And it just so happens that Amy Gavosden has a list of those names. So this list is just full of people that we've known a long time. Um, and some of them, Dan has known his entire life, right? Like family friends, family members, <laughs> current and former coworkers, longtime close friends um, from college or from the school he used to work at in Maryland. Um, friends that we've met here in LA. So it's, it's a pretty tight knit list of people. When Amy first laid her list out to me, I kind of really quickly looked it over and thought about who I thought could even possibly do something like this. In my mind, family, family, friends, and coworkers past and present are kind of off the list. None of them are really that into Spider-Man or really would do something like this. This really seemed like something that like a friend or someone from the Spider-Man world would be involved in at the very least. 
And so I laid those lists out and I really quickly came up with like a few that really just stood out to me. The list, if Amy is to be trusted, was the only real direction I could take this investigation. I poured over it. So did Dan. It began to drive him mad. I gotta be honest, Aaron. I've contacted everyone on Amy's list who I think is even remotely capable of doing something like this, and they've all flatly denied it. I mean, over and over and over again. They've been very upfront about it, and I have to be honest, I believe them. Really, I'm, I'm desperate. Which of these friends gave access to the birthday video to Norman Osborne? That's what I'll be trying to figure out in this episode, by talking to the people around Dan Gavosden. I'll mostly be talking to his friends, because they are a close-knit group. Some of them have known each other since middle school. And even though some of them are spread out around the country, they still communicate daily and are closer than ever. So they know each other well. But they don't know me. Except for one. The fact remains that none were closer to Dan and more suspicious than my husband. He was the reason I got involved with this case and, heck, the trouble begins with his name, mischievous Mark Janacchio. What exactly had this so-called mischievous Mark Janacchio done to be labeled as such? The legendary Spider-Man writer Tom DeFalco had bestowed that name upon Mark. What did he know that I didn't? As a self-appointed detective, I knew that I had to establish means, motive, and opportunity in my suspects if they were to be fingered as the one true Norman Osborne. Mark may present himself as a mild-mannered co-host of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast, but something smelled rotten, and I intended to find out if it was just his running shoes, his adoration of the Mets, or his strained music metaphors. My name is Mark Janacchio. I am the co-host of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast. Dan Gavazdan is my one true love. That's not true. Aaron Janacchio is my one true love. And the fact that I'm down here having to explain all this to you right now is part of what's driving me crazy right now. Um, talk to me about your opinions of the Norman Osborne campaign, if you will. I admit the first few times that Dan told me this happened, I was like, oh, that's a cute thing a listener of the show is probably doing. What was the moment where things crossed the line for you? Honestly, for me, the the birthday message, that was a kind of uh, a layer of insertion, I guess you could say. Because it was, you know, that clearly indicated to me that this was someone within Dan's inner circle. So there are people who have suspected it's you, um, who think that because of the nature of your friendship with Dan, the fact that it is so Spider-Man centric, you have come up as an obvious suspect. What are your reactions to that? Um, I mean, look, I get 
from the outside looking in why I might be considered a suspect. But I think even Dan in his heart knows that that's not remotely possible because quite frankly, going to the lengths that these, this person or, or people are doing to prank Dan in the name of Spider-Man, uh, no, I, I, I really just don't have the patience or just the stamina, frankly, to do something like that at this stage in my life. Did you ever have the stamina for something like that? Did you ever have a taste for for pranks or shenanigans? See, that's a good that's a good follow up question because I knew the second I said that that I was opening myself up to that. No, I I am generally I'm not a prank person. I'm not a surprise person. I mean, I think I've said to you over the the many years that we've been together, don't throw me surprise parties. I like I am a person who likes to kind of be prepared and and know where things are. Uh, I think a prank of this level is quite frankly beyond the scope of anything that I could do because there's just so many so many variables involved and so many potential for things to go completely sideways and I like to be in complete control of situations like this. So no, I you know, like if I was to do a prank, I think or a joke, I guess, I it would probably be short and you know, one note and there and done, and then ha ha, you you got pranked. Let's move on. Uh, to carry something out over weeks and months, no. So, if you were to have done this, if it had been you, what? How would it have been different? What would it have looked like? If I had seen something funny, Spider-Man related, would I have sent it to Dan? Yeah, but I wouldn't have like hidden my identity. I, the, like that's the thing. I there the, there would be no reason. I, I see no reason to do something like this. I mean, you like getting credit. I, yes. <laughs> I don't even know what I would do. That's the thing. I don't do stuff like this. I, I, I have a very dry sense of humor where in the moment I'll tell a joke or two, but that's about it. I don't really have the – no, I just wouldn't do anything like this. I can't even imagine what it would look like. So so it's not you. You're, you're very convinced it's not you. <laughs> I'm – I'm frankly convinced it's not you taking off my interviewer hat because I know you and I know that I can't get you to commit the time to like clean, like clean the kitchen up. So who do you think did it? Who Who is this person or person? Honestly, I, I don't think it's one person. I think, I think it's, it is a group of people. I think, I think it's probably some of the closest fans to the show who have, agreed to do this together. You know, I guess there might, apparently there's some personal information out there that might indicate that it's someone closer to Dan than we realize. And for that, I don't really have an answer. Maybe there is one person closer in the circle that's kind of acting as the ringleader here. It is the Hobgoblin mystery wrapped up in a prank on Dan. Because I think whatever the, when the mask is pulled back, we're just going to be like, oh, Okay, that's a little weird. So is that a challenge for this individual to dazzle you? I heard that there are like lines about the Joker showing up in the middle of some of these things. And like we got plush dolls and we got all this other random nonsense. And it's like, you know, first of all, there's no there's no rhyme or reason or cohesion to any of this. It's just random crap being thrown against the wall. Buddy, you're you're not even doing this intelligently. You're you're, you're just coming across like a crazy person. What's the question that we're not asking right now? You know, I guess my big question is to Dan, does he even want to, what, what does he want from this? Does he want it to stop? Does he want to know? 
I'm not so sure. You can never be too careful. But after talking to Mark, I felt that I was as close to identifying him as our Norman Osborne as he was to cleaning the kitchen. He had the motive and the opportunity. But Mark being Mark, he didn't really have the means. I'll admit, it was hard to be the bad cop with my husband, but I believed him. Was Mark our Norman Osborne or one of his ghouls? It seemed unlikely. So it was back to the list. The list that Amy had assembled of all the people invited to send in a birthday video to Dan. The list itself contained the names of Dan's friends, family, and former co-workers. I asked Dan about the names on the list and who he thought could possibly be working with or was Norman Osborne. I poured over Amy's list and came up with three names that I think fit the bill of Norman Osborne or one of his ghouls. Those names were Brian Rowan, Parker Rouse, and Andy Myers. Three big names to go by. Three likely suspects. I liked my odds. Means, motive, and opportunity. That's what I was after. And Dan suspected that I might be able to find all three. There was a chance I could be talking to Norman Osborne himself on one of these calls. I'd have to be smart in my questioning and really get after the truth, if any of them were willing to tell it. I decided to talk to Brian Rowan first. But who exactly was Brian Rowan? And why did Dan think that he could be involved? Brian and I go way back. I mean, way back. After college, when I started down the road to becoming a professional movie critic, Brian was my good friend and sparring partner. We've had multiple podcasts together and even co-hosted a television program together. It was a weird time. But we've always had this almost jokingly antagonistic contest of egos against each other. And I have to admit, it resulted in some practical jokes. I don't think he knows much about Spider-Man, but I know that Brian would 100% be keen on getting revenge on me for some of the things I've pulled. I'm sort of his arch nemesis, after all. Brian seems like a promising lead, so I sat down with him to see what I could find. My name is Brian J. Rowan. I am uh, friends with Dan Gvazdin. Uh We've done, like, two different movie podcast together, uh, and he's been a guest on my podcast, The Film Stage Show, numerous times. So you so you and Dan go way back, fairly way back? How far, how far back? Like middle and high school. We weren't like super close friends back then, but then in college we kind of synced up when we realized how much we love movies. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I would say like the true golden age of our friendship began. How would you describe that friendship? contentious <laughs> contentious okay okay tell me more we have a lot of differing opinions on art so like there's an episode of our old show the film grind where like i basically shouted at him for 10 minutes because he had the audacity to say that the hobbit movie was like just fine when i found it to be the worst thing ever created by human hands so there's a lot of arguments but also like we 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 respect one another's opinions and clearly have like some kind of good rapport and chemistry because we just keep 
coming back to one another <laughs> to keep doing stuff together. So yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting one. It's it's a it, I would say it's it's fun. We're we're steel and a flint, and we just make each other sharper. Well, I think that um, history will show that you are on the right side of it with that particular film. Um, <laughs> So I'm in agreement with you, but, um, so you, so you mentioned still and Flint, you mentioned contentious, how, um, other than screaming at one another on, uh, on camera, has that manifested itself in any other ways? Is there a history of hijinks or shenanigans? Have you ever perhaps pranked Dan in the past? So I haven't, um, he has pranked me. He, he's pranked you. Yeah, so he, I used to work at a place, uh, I was like a call, it's called monkey, I, I don't even know the best way to put it. I, I was basically like a salesperson, and he knew someone who worked there in my office, not on my team, mind you, but just somewhere else in my, my company's architecture. And he, we had this stupid inside joke where he would scream peoples, like the, the Tyler Perry movie, peoples at me. Um, like one time he was doing a, a showing of a movie at his house in the basement back when he lived in Severna Park mm-hmm. and he ran a trailer for peoples specifically just to mess with me. And then he got this human being at my office to print out a piece of paper that just said peoples on it and put it on my keyboard before I got into work one morning. And I, I don't know how, I don't know who it was. I don't know how he did it. But yeah, so he he has found ways to reach out and touch me without me knowing in the past. So you're saying that Dan Gavazdin has employed anonymous co-conspirators to prank you by leaving notes on your desk. Of a deeply personal nature. Like, this isn't someone who just, like, happened to say, like, oh, I bet this random guy thinks that people is funny. Like, Dan had to have that in his brain and then find someone to do it and then talk them into doing it. And then they had to do it and find where I sat. So if we want to start it without really starting it, there is there is a legitimate part of me that wonders if this isn't some insider thing that he's doing to draw attention to something that he's doing. Um, so so what is what is your relationship, if any, with Spider-Man? So that's the that's the thing. And this is where like my the chief article of my defense against me possibly doing this is I don't know much about Spider-Man. I I used to watch the cartoon. It it was like on Saturday morning cartoons and um it's the one where at the end like Mary Jane is like a water clone or something. Oh. See that sounds is, terrible. This is how, Right. This is how little I know about it. I can't even I can't even be like, well, it's the one that's based off of Ditko's original Whatever. I don't even know if the reference I just made to Steve Ditko is correct. I never read the comics. I like watched the movies, the Sam Raimi movies, and I found them to be interesting. But like, you know, those were huge cultural events. But like, I don't I don't really know much of anything about about any comic books. I would say like, if I were to take a test on Spider-Man, I might be able to guess my way to a C as long as it wasn't like very deep knowledge. When this prank sort of started out, if memory serves, you were one of the first people to respond to it. And your response was something to the effect of, it's not me, but I wish it was. Yeah, absolutely. 
tell me, tell me more about that. What, what makes you wish that you were the mastermind behind this? Just because, I guess because of the people's thing. <laughs> the fact that it is something that he has done to me, but that I don't, I have like, not to sound like I'm trying to like dispel any suspicion, but like, I have no real way to do this to him. I don't know. Outside of the concept of Los Angeles, I don't know where he lives. And I, I don't know anything about like what he's doing that I could do. Like, you know, he sends me peoples and I'm like, son of a bitch, Dan Gavazdin. But like, you know, it's just there's nothing. I don't think I could do anything to the level that I would be able to top that because peoples was like super dumb. And that's what made it funny. But there is a level of intensity to what's going on with him that I find admirable <laughs> in a way. You were public on on some of the, the posts earlier about what was happening with this prank and you sort of expressed enthusiasm for it. Did anyone reach out to you? saying, hey, I heard that there's a birthday video happening. Can you forward that link to me? Uh, no, they did not. I have to ask, because I feel like it would be wrong of me not to, but Brian J. Rowan, are you Norman Osborne? No, I am not. So I'm really looking forward to to the the arguments that will break out over my culpability and my guilt. But yeah, I just, I, again, I just, I don't know enough about Spider-Man. I'm really, really busy all the time. I almost am flattered by his insistence in keeping me on his list of suspects. And I swear to God, it's just because that he pranked me with the people's thing. And he has apparently such a high opinion of me that he thinks that I have the ability to pull this off. So I guess it's flattering. Well, I think it, it comes down to means, motive, and opportunity. And I think when we look at you, you have motive. I don't know that you have means or opportunity. Right. And that's that's the thing. Like, if, if you are to believe me, which I would hope that everyone listening to this does believe me, and I'm almost afraid to meet the person who does. Is there anything you would want to say to to the listeners I I don't I don't even know. The whole situation is so insane that it's hard to know precisely what I would want to say to the listeners of this. I guess keep looking at the clues, you know, for God's sakes, someone out there's got to know something. <laughs> if you've seen this person, if you've heard anything about this, let us know. Uh we're all in a hellscape in terms of social unrest, environmental collapse, and public health, and this is a thing that presently appears to be just sort of a fun goof, and it would really be nice to have an answer to it. So yeah, everyone keep working. <laughs> Brian gave me a lot of good insight. Brian did not seem to be our man. He definitely had the motive, but the means and opportunity seemed outside of his reach. So next on Dan's list was Parker Rouse. I spoke to Dan about his suspicions about Parker before seeking him out. Parker used to be my student, and now he's one of my closest friends. But when this started, he was one of the first people I thought of. I gave him all of my comic trades before I moved to California and introduced him to the first 40 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. And Parker has a huge history of pranking me with elaborate gifts. He's written whole comics about me and Amy, made movies about me, and for a period of time used to send me films that were cleverly disguised videos of him defecating. 
This was all just to get a rise out of me. And this whole Norman Osborn thing is exactly his sense of humor. Parker seemed like a colorful character, so I arranged an interview. I'm uh, Parker Rouse. I was Dan's student at Severn School in Maryland. And then uh, we've just maintained a friendship over the years. And, you know, we just stay in touch and talk about movies. So, Parker, can you tell me a little bit more about your relationship with Dan? Like, dive in and give us some details about about your history? Sure, sure. Yeah, we um, we actually met before I was his student at a film camp in Maryland called Filmsters. And we were uh, we were just good friends at the camp and got along really well. And then we found out that he taught at the same school I was going to in the fall of that year. So I had to transition from calling him Dan to Mr. Gavazdin. I only had him as a teacher for one year. But uh, basically after school, I would just go to his classroom and we would talk about movies and he would lend me movies from his collection to watch. And then we would talk about them and yeah, he just was kind of a mentor and a guide. And, you know, I had him in a film class and and just made movies together and had a lot of fun. And then he moved to L.A. after my sophomore year of high school. He just uh, basically, you know, we talk on the phone a lot and text and send stuff about movies. And it's just, yeah, it's been a good friendship. I've been out to visit him a couple times in L.A. since he's been out there. Uh, what kind of relationship, if any, do you, do you have with Spider-Man? I like Spider-Man. I mean, when I was a kid, I liked the the Sam Raimi trilogy, and I watched those a lot as a kid. I liked those movies. I was never a big comic book kid, but I got into comic books as a teenager. I read the first, while I was Dan's student, he lent me digital copies of the first... 30-something Spider-Man comics, which was like the original, which was Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, mm -hmm. so the original run. And I read all those, and that's that's uh, the extent of my, my Spider-Man reading. But I've enjoyed, you know, I've enjoyed the Raimi movies, and and I do like Spider-Man. I like him more than than most, than many others superheroes. He, he's one of my favorites. Sure. What do you think about riddles and puzzles in general? Are those things that you're interested in? I mean, yeah, I like I like riddles and, and games and codes and, you know, I like that stuff. It's fun. Do you have any history with, with pranks or elaborate schemes in your own life? I did. I did once in uh, the ninth grade when I was Dan's student. I pulled a it wasn't a prank exactly, but I, there was a teacher that I had in the ninth grade who was a very crazy, unusual teacher, and he was a friend of Dan's. And I was like, I would occasionally take videos of him doing crazy stuff in class. And then I inter at the end of the year, I interviewed some of the teachers about him and uh, put together a video with some of the hidden camera footage as because he decided to leave the school and it was just sort of like a embarrassing like fun thing to do for that teacher because he 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 would do crazy stuff like throw tennis balls around the room or or like you know we'd have no class weeks in a row and just hang out and do nothing and so basically i put together this weird this kind of expose fun thing that we watched in dan's basement <laughs> so that was an elaborate that was definitely an elaborate uh, sort of prank, I guess. So did you participate in Dan's birthday video? I did. I did. Okay, I see what you're driving at. <laughs> I did. I made him a, 
a video that was it was some some scenes from some of his some of his student films and it was basically like uh like just some of the goofier things that we had done together in films and that he had done on his own in a little embarrassing video when you got the link to that video did you share the link with anyone or did anyone approach you asking for the link no one approached me asking for the link and i did not share it is there anything that you think that we should know about you that you would want to say as you know something to someone who thinks that maybe it was you what would you say to that i've heard i mean i guess this is what everyone's saying but this seems like i've too much time investment especially since i've been working a lot lately I just wouldn't know that I have the time to put this whole thing together. I see, yeah, Dan suspected me early on. I think because we both have, like I said, kind of a, a fun, unusual sense of humor. But uh, no, I just, I don't, I don't have the time to, to put together this, something this elaborate. And honestly, I don't think I'm smart enough to put together something this elaborate. Well, so you said that you, you don't have the time. And I get that. If you did have the time... Is this the kind of thing that you would want to do? <laughs> that that'll make me sound too suspicious. I, I mean, I I'm I am impressed by whoever is doing this. I'm impressed. One of our theories is that you know this is not a single individual. It's probably a mastermind, but with a network of people who are all working together to send these communications from different cities around the country. I mean, technically around the world. So if following this interview, going online, people will then, if they didn't associate you with it before, they will now. If someone were to reach out to you, and ask you to participate in this going forward, what would you say? Ah, uh, I gotta be honest. I think I would participate. <laughs> I mean, if if someone reached out and said and told me, I wouldn't want to be the one that ended it. I would. I would want to take part. So you wouldn't let Dan know. You wouldn't let me know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I. I mean, I. He seems like he's enjoying it so much. It would spoil the fun. So I think if someone if someone did say that they were the mastermind and they needed my help, I think I would. It was great to talk to Parker. And while he definitely seemed anxious about answering some of my questions and revealing more about his and Dan's past, I just didn't get a clear feeling that someone as seemingly mild-mannered as Parker would be behind all of this. He didn't quite have the motive or means, despite his history with Dan, but the opportunity seemed to be his driving feature. The only option left was Andy Myers. I spoke to Dan about his suspicions. Andy is my top suspect. I assume this whole Norman Osborne thing was him straight away, but he's also denied it the most vociferously. And like I said, I believe him. Andy and I have been co-writing a comic for a number of years and have collaborated on many things, including the live version of Amazing Spider Talk. In order to do that, he joined the Slack, worked on the website, and built our system. He's very familiar with everything we do. Plus, he's got a great sense of humor, knows me very well, and is genuinely one of the most creative people I've ever met. So it seems we have been saving the best for last. 
Andy was Dan's top suspect, and it sounds like there's good reason to believe that Andy could be part of this. So I sat down with Andy to see if I could get him to give up the ghost. My name is Andy Myers. I am Dan's friend. I think we've been friends for about eight years now, and we are also co-writers of a comic book that we've been working on for several years together as well. That does not exist yet. I should say that. What is your relationship to Spider-Man, if any? I have very little relationship to Spider-Man, especially when compared to Dan and Mark. So I would, I'm what you would call a casual fan. I've seen all of the movies. Dan gave me his favorite Spider-Man comic for a Christmas present, which I read. Which one was that? The Amazing Spider-Man Ultimate Collection. Written by J. Michael Straczynski, an art by Romita Jr. Uh, I believe this is the only Spider-Man comic I own. I know you're going to be looking for whatever clues you can, and I'll just be upfront with you. Um, I do have uh, the password to Dan's Marvel Unlimited account, where he has all of his comics. Um, that is how I caught up on a few comics when I was helping uh, Dan and Mark with their show, they were looking for art for one of their issues, and I was just interested. So I read like five or six issues that way. Anything I've read there would show up in Dan's history, and it would have been red flags if I was... It would have been red flags all over the place if that was showing up in his history. Honestly, like, I was very surprised that Dan even suspected me in the first place. He knows how little I know about Spider-Man. Um, we can't, like, I can have really deep conversations with him about Star Wars. We can really nerd out. We don't have those conversations about Spider-Man because I know I'm just not, he knows I'm just not fluent in that universe. So, so you've seen or heard from Dan about what's going on with the communications, the, the letters, the postcards, the, the gifts from Norman Osborn. What do you think of this? What's your opinion of of this sort of scheme? Let's see, I have a lot of thoughts. I think it's mostly harmless. I am a little concerned that Dan, during the birthday part, the birthday gift thing, Dan was quite creeped out by that at first. Eventually, he was more open to it and more having fun with it. Um, but because it was such an intimate, closed thing, um, I think it felt violating to him. Other than that, I think it's fine. If, if it were me, like if somebody had hired me to do this, I would have had much more of a through line to it and a progression and sort of a storyline to it. Right now, it, it, it feels... I'm sorry to be, like, criticizing whoever is doing this, but <laughs> it, it feels a little one-note. Um, and you could have thrown a bit more story into there. So if you were to have done this, how would you have approached it? First of all, I would have done it, done a Star Wars thing, because that's the language that Dan and I have in common. But second of all, I think it would be a mystery for him to solve that's not just the identity of a real person but sort of a alternate reality game of Spider-Man. Like, you have to help find where Spider-Man is being 
it, Spider-Man's been captured. You have to help find his location before uh, time runs out. You know, some something stupid like that, but... Like more escape room, scavenger hunt. Yeah, exactly. This just feels like slightly threatening, but in a fun way, messages over and over. So you submitted a video for the birthday video compilation, yes? Mm-hmm. Did you share the link with anyone? I didn't. Did anyone approach you to ask for the link? No. And you've seen the video, yes? You've seen yes. the individual who popped in. Did they, did they seem familiar to you at all? Not at all, no. So there's this online community that the spiders slack. Do you have any involvement with that at all? Do you engage there? I don't engage there. Um, I have an account there because uh, when I was helping Dan and Mark uh, with their show, I did research to figure out what all of the things are. But So I have an account there. I'll gladly give you my login if you want. And you can look at my post history, DM history, because there's nothing there. It's a big zero. Have you traveled around a lot? Are you originally from Ohio? I'm originally from Utah. I lived in Seattle for eight months after living in Utah. I lived in San Diego for a little while during college, and uh, then LA, then Ohio. You've sort of spread a wide net in terms of places you've been. Do you have a lot of friends and acquaintances and family sort of spread around in various locations as well? Uh, yeah. Um, I have family all over the place. Friends from school. I mean, I went to multiple school programs. So, you know, even if I haven't been there, I know people a lot of places. And even more so, my wife, Summer, knows people all over the map. Lots of people that you could ask for a favor, you could send them something and ask them to drop it into the mail? Oh, for sure. And um, I, <laughs> I, I can be really clear. Um, I, I did have two things I wanted to say. One is that I am someone who, whenever we play a game, uh, like a secret identity game, like uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf is one of my favorites, People always, no matter whether I'm telling the truth or lying, people think I'm lying. I have one of those voices and personalities, uh, which my wife can attest to, and she always uses that against me. <laughs> I did want to get that out of the way, that like I'm self-conscious about that, about myself, in that there's something suspicious about me. I get that. <laughs> what was the other thing? You said you had two things. The, the other thing is I... I could have done this other than needing to do a ton of Spider-Man research, which is not my domain of expertise physically. Like there's nothing that would be pre preventing me from doing this. Like I could find people all over, all over the country, except I don't have enough time. Like I don't have enough time to do it. And I didn't do it. That's my main two defenses. If you had the time, would you want to do something like this to Dan? That's a, Good question. Not anymore now that someone else has done it, but sure. Sure. If I did it to anybody, it would be Dan. So who do you think would be doing this? Who? What do you think the relationship would need to be 
to Dan for someone to jump through all these hoops? It would be someone who's known Dan a long time, I think. It would be someone with a level of fluency in Spider-Man that is abnormal. Or, I guess, access to people who have that um, elevated level of fandom. I don't think it's I don't think it's a collective mastermind. I think obviously someone is using helpers. Everything to me feels like a consistent voice and tone. Uh, it feels like one person writing all of this, writing the clues. You know, it seems like those postcards were. I mean, we know from the postcards. The postcards were purchased by one individual and then distributed and then mailed from other places. You don't have to know who Dan is. You don't have to you don't have to be interested in Spider-Man. You don't have to you don't have to know Morse code in order to piece together. I mean, in order to participate, right? If I could imagine Dan asking me to send something to one of his college friends that I've never met. Sure, I'd do it. And I wouldn't be really following the saga. Like, I wouldn't go follow his friend on Twitter. I'd just be, you know, I'd probably ask Dan, oh, how's how did that prank go? But I would guess that collaborators are much more casual and that there's not a, I, I would doubt it's a spider slack thing. How did you feel when you saw your name listed as one of the codes, as one of the names listed in Morse code? Uh, I felt angry, but also thought it was, it was a little funny but yeah so my my direct response to finding that and sending it to dan was seriously screw this person personally i suspect that this is purely in good fun i have no doubt that someone is needling him but uh assumes that it is being received in the spirit that it is being sent but I don't blame Amy or, or Dan for wondering. I mean, this is a time in the world where everything that we thought was crazy and impossible, we have to keep second-guessing ourselves. Yeah, I, I don't blame them. I, I don't personally think that there's any malice to it. I think it would be ridiculous for me not to ask, are you Norman Osborn? No, I'm not. Um, but Aaron, are you Norman Osborn? No, I'm not. Um, if anyone approached you, if Norman approached you and said, "Hey, I um, I I need you to help me out with this. I want you to be a part of this." What would you do? I think I would probably text Dan and say. Somebody is claiming to be Norman O. Do you want to know? And do you want me to play along and get information? Be a double agent. It would be much more fun to be a double agent. Fair enough. And, you know, Dan might say, like, I can imagine Dan saying, like, oh, I don't want to know if you're comfortable with it. Like, just tell me. Uh, do I need to be worried? I think Dan might say something like that. I can actually hear that in his voice as you said it. Yeah. 
I have to say, Andy seemed like the nicest guy and was super forthcoming in an attempt to clear his name. Perhaps he was too forthcoming. Andy's means seemed the greatest of all three suspects. And while his motive wasn't as clear as Brian's and his opportunities limited, I knew I would have to keep an eye on him as this continued to play out. Between Brian, Andy, and Parker, I had motive, means, and opportunity, but none of them felt right. Surely someone had to have given the birthday video link to Norman Osborne, but these candidates had all flatly denied doing so. Was one of them lying? Or was this just another dead end? Was this birthday video a copycat message? How could we know if it was the Norman Osborne? Had I been chasing a ghost this whole time? Either way, the truth was slipping through my fingers. I could hear the laughter of Norman Osborne ringing through my head. A taunting specter. The face from the birthday video. And no clear answers. To clear my head, I decided to go for a walk. I put on my mask and walked around my Long Island neighborhood. Our quiet neighborhood, damp from a recent rain with its petrichor smell, the faint sounds of the Long Island Railroad, neighbors quietly taking down Halloween decorations. It was nice to get away from the pressures this goblin mystery had brought into my life. It was my name, my name, that appeared on a postcard. This wasn't just about Dan, my husband, or myself anymore. It was about everyone. The brief luxury of leaving the mystery behind, even for a second, was a momentary privilege. Before long, Norman was back in my head. I just couldn't shake a question that my husband had asked earlier. You know, I guess my big question is to Dan, does he even want to, what, what does he want from this? Does he want it to stop? Does he want to know? I'm not so sure. Hey, Aaron, what's up? Any breaks in the case? No, not really. Look, Dan, I wanted to ask you a sensitive question. So I hope you'll allow me this. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, go ahead. Okay, cool. Look, um, for this episode of Annual, I've been talking with you, your wife, and uh, many of your friends. Uh, Everyone seems kind of worried that this thing has gone too far, but you don't really seem all that worried. I guess I'm wondering, what do you want from all of this? Why make the show? Why tease Norman Osborne with all of this if it's upsetting these people in your life? I get that. I get that. Uh, I really do. Uh, I guess I would say, you know what? Time out for a second, Aaron. Uh, I know this is going to sound strange, but um, can I break the fourth wall? You mean, like, speak to our audience directly through the podcast? Yeah, you know, 
drop this whole shtick that you and I are talking on the phone and actually speak to our audience and Norman Osborne? Sure. I mean, you are writing this script, so you can say whatever you want. Heck, I'm just reading what you've written. That, that's a good point. Annuals count. That's another good point. I know. Thank you. No, thank you, Aaron. Okay, well, here goes nothing. Hey there, everyone. It's Dapper Dan Gavazdan here. I know these annual episodes have been kind of weird and a huge shift away from our standard format. Many of you are probably itching to hear our Season 5 content and discussions of the Roger Stern run. And trust me, I can't wait to hear those episodes, too. However, my life has become increasingly complicated over the past few months. I had my gallbladder removed because of a tumor scare, had a car accident that cost me my car, and had some personal and professional dramas. That's all on top of dealing with COVID-19 and the tension surrounding the election. I have no doubt that many of you listening at home have likely been experiencing similar traumas or anxieties these past several months. Things have been piling up and delaying the start of our fifth season. Mark and I want to be sure to get this right. As Roger Stern's run is incredibly important to us, and we know it's just as important to you at home. It's the best run of Spider-Man, period. So, with all this pressure mounting, and to answer your question, Aaron... Right, I was hoping you would. I know, Aaron. I'm getting to it. So, with all these pressures mounting, the Norman Osborn mystery, I gotta be honest, has actually been a really fun diversion from all the horrible things happening in the world. I mean... How often does someone get caught up in an honest-to-goodness real mystery? Plus, plus, I've had a tremendous amount of fun producing this podcast with you, Aaron, and doing something different with the show, even if it is just a shameless ripoff of the Serial Podcast. On a side note, if you haven't listened to the Serial Podcast, please go do so. It's short, and I promise it will make these annual episodes 100 times funnier. I've seen the hate mail, and I think most of you haven't listened to Serial, so go do that. But really, I I wanted to use this moment to speak to Norman Osborn. The Norman Osborn. You know who you are, even if I don't. So look, Norman, if you're listening, please be sure to tune in for this one point. If only just for this one point. I want to keep doing this dance that we're doing. I don't know where this is going, and I don't know how many of you there are. I truly don't know anything about you. The clues have been pretty vague. I think this is tremendously fun. I'm sure you do too, Aaron, right? It's, it's, it's a good time. Yeah. However, my wife and my parents don't. And as much as I try to convince them that it's all in good fun, they just aren't convinced. And who could blame them? This is 2020 and things are pretty crazy right now. But here's the deal. I have negotiated with them a way to solve this. If I can get you to reach out to me and assure them that this is all in good fun It will ease their worries, and this whole thing can continue. And if not, I'm going to have to stop posting about this mystery, and the annual episodes will have come to an end. At the end of the day, I respect my family's wishes over my own wishes, and those of what seems to be a bunch of friendly, if overcommitted, fans of the show. So here's the deal. I have been playing with my cards held close to my chest. Over the course of this episode and on my social media feeds, I have yet to reveal one of the clues that you sent me in the mail. No one knows about it. Not my wife, not Mark, and not even Aaron. Wait, seriously? Seriously. 
only I know about this super awesome clue, and it's the only way that I can for sure verify it is the one true Norman Osborne who is reaching out to me. So, Norman, listen up. If you can email me from an anonymous email account to amazingspidertalk at gmail.com or reach out in any other way, even if it's by cryptic note, with evidence that you know what that clue is and some kind of reassurance that this is all in good fun, this whole thing can continue. I won't even read what you have to say if you don't want me to. We can just acknowledge the situation, calm down my family, and have a good time playing our roles in this very enticing mystery. Sound fun? I hope so. I would like for this mystery to continue and not just be a facade. And that's full acclamation combat and defense exoskeleton for those of you playing at home. Anyway, I'm sorry for breaking character here. We can go back to normal now and pretend that none of you heard me say any of this. So, Aaron, what were you saying? Oh, oh, um, uh, yeah, I was saying, um, what do you want from all of this? The fun of the mystery. Bye, Aaron. Wait, Dan, before you hang up the phone, let me ask you this. How do I know you aren't Norman? To be honest, Aaron, as much as I can assure you that it's not actually me, that I'm not Norman, I don't know that I can concretely prove to you that I'm not Norman Osborne. But Aaron, let me ask you this. How do I know that you Art Norman. I don't know. Annual is written and produced by Dan Gavostin, with editing by Rick Coast. Fact-checking and healthy anxiety is provided by Amy Gavostin. Special thanks to the entire staff of This American Life and my husband, Mark Chinacchio. Narration provided by me, Erin Janakio. To follow all the clues, updates, and to submit your own theories of the case, head over to AmazingSpiderTalk.com and join in on the hunt. You can email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com if you have any clues or theories about the case, or are yourself Norman Osborne. Annual is a production of Amazing Spider Talk. Thank you. You're welcome, dear. I love you. I love you, too. And I'll try and clean sometime. I mean, if you could just, like, clean up the bathroom once in a while, I would really, like, it would go a long way in our marriage. It would just, it would help. Music's loud. I can't hear you. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much, dear. Aaron! Please come back, because I would like to just straight up have sex with you. Yeah, like, not a relationship, I just want to bang you. Um, also, um, side note, we have some uh, really good packages here at the gym in case you would like to get some personal training from me or one of the other trainers. Alright, cool, talk to you later. Bye, remember, I want to have sex with you. Okay, bye.